0: In the age of political gridlock, what are the paths to good policy solutions? What can we do beyond the federal and state levels to achieve positive outcomes for the people of this country? From the Chicago Policy Review and the University of Chicago, this is Chicago Policy Radio. Today, Michael DeHeger, Chicago Policy Review staff writer in Urban Affairs, interviews Houston Mayor Anise Parker about how our city has been a laboratory for positive change.
1: Uh, my name is Michael DeHeger. I'm a staff writer with the Chicago Policy Review, and I'm here with current Houston Mayor Anise Parker. Mayor Parker, thank you so much for taking the time to sit down with us today. Um, you just participated in a panel with Bruce Katz speaking about his book, the Metropolitan Revolution. What do you think of a question posed in Bruce Katz's book that cities may be the most innovative units uh, of government, given the gridlock in Washington and belt tightening at both the federal and state levels?
2: I happen to agree with it, but I think it's more fundamental than that. I believe that uh, human being uh, human human beings have lived in cities for uh, for millennia, and uh, cities are by necessity, uh, entrepreneurial and innovative, and we are a place where you gridlock cannot happen because human beings couldn't continue to live together if it did. I don't think that this is a new phenomenon. I think, it, by contrast to what is happening in Washington, it's shined a light on what's happening in cities. And we are increasingly, around the world, becoming a place where people live in uh, massive urban areas and uh, you know, we're not the uh, you know, rural agrarian economies of the past.
1: So um, what is it, that necessity, that makes cities more resistant to the grid like the kinds of political... I, I believe it is the,
2: the necessity. It's the fact that you know the, the fundamentals of cities, it doesn't matter whether you live in a mud hut someplace or whether you live in uh, Gotham, you have to uh, you, know, you have to know where the water source is. You have to have a latrine. You have to know what to do with the trash. You have to have a power source, and then you build out your city uh, services from there. Uh, when I say that literally human beings couldn't live together without the functions that cities provide, they couldn't. Mm-hmm. And when you ha- face that daily, 24/7 necessity of providing that level of service you quickly become very uh, pragmatic, focused on results, not about theory, it is about uh, what works works today, what's gonna work tomorrow, and you're constantly adapting to that.
1: Could you give an example of what Houston's done under your leadership to generate that kind of economic growth, and in particular, is there a situation in which you were able to overcome something that could have been politically thorny, thanks to this kind of pragmatism that you're talking about cities having?
2: Well, any good public official has to figure out a way to navigate through thorny issues. I don't know anyone who makes it through a, uh, a political career without uh, uh, pitched battles about something. But I came into office as mayor with a with a very clear focus. I knew I had to work on stimulating jobs and economic development. I had to do all the things that the cities need to do: public safety and so forth. But We had a critical need in infrastructure in Houston, and I believed that I could both stimulate job growth and focus on on infrastructure by launching uh, massive public works projects. And so uh, we are engaged now in Houston in a comprehensive overhaul of our water sewer system and a comprehensive overhaul of our street and storm drainage system. And that second one is particularly Uh, exciting because in the midst of the the recession in November of 2010, I actually went to the voters and said, and and laid out for them the scope of the problem we had in infrastructure, explained what we needed to do to fix it, how much it was going to cost to fix it, and the voters approved a, a dedicated revenue source to do that. They imposed a fee on themselves in the midst of a recession. What I offered back to the voters was that we would do it on a pay-as-you-go basis, which was really unprecedented uh, among cities. We're the only big city in America, I believe, now where I can say that the debt per capita is going down because we've chosen not to do debt financing of major public works projects. But in addition to changing the built environment of Houston, uh, those projects are providing jobs and, you know, at at good wages that stay in the community because at the same time I also created a Hire Houston First initiative where we give preference to to companies that will keep jobs local.
1: I think this ties into my next question, which is uh, as you start seeing, or as you see uh, economic growth generated from these policies, how do you make sure that the benefits are shared widely, that uh, we don't see rising inequality between rich and poor?
2: I don't know that it is the job of cities to prevent rising inequality between one particular group and another. It is the job of a city to make sure that the services are available equitably across the community and that those institutions that support access to mobility within the society uh, are, again, equitable across communities, such as as you, you that you don't have bad schools in poor parts of town and good schools in in, in good parts of town, uh, and that because frankly, in in terms of bringing new uh, new jobs to Houston, bringing manufacturing into Houston, what, in direct foreign investment we're engaged very heavily in, where where's the most likely place to place those those new jobs and those new factories, and it, it is in areas where the property values are lower and you have a workforce that is desperately interested in in having those jobs. And so, I mean, there is a natural uh, affinity there for that. Hmm. Um, I'm a believer in the, you know, the rising tide lifts all boats, obviously.
1: What do you find most difficult in working with county and state governments, as well as with other towns, cities, suburbs? Um, And what would you do to improve those relationships with those challenges? Uh,
2: I work very well with the, uh, the smaller cities uh, around Houston, and actually Houston has a number of smaller cities that are completely encapsulated by Houston. Uh, I work well with, with county uh, officials as well, Houston lops into four counties. Uh, because again, those of us at the local level, we're focused on the 24-7 day-to-day running of our entities the state and the federal government are where partisan gridlock occurs where there's a um, too much time on on dogma and not enough time on you know, the direct provision of of services fortunately in texas we are a, we're a low tax low service state not a lot of Revenue flows from the state of Texas to cities. We're pretty much uh, self-governing, and uh, we have worked out how to do that over the years.
1: Last question. Uh, someone mentioned to me uh, just before the event that you're particularly proud about Houston's diversity. Um, yeah. And so I want to ask you about that and how that's an asset that you're leveraging as a city, and what are Houston's other greatest
2: assets? We are arguably the most diverse major city in America now uh, since the last census, and about 20 percent of Houstonians are foreign-born, which uh, a lot of the rest of America doesn't understand. We're actually better known across the U.S. borders than across the state lines. Uh, we We are not the Houston of 40, 30, or even 20 years ago. We are a very dynamic global metropolis. We are what the future of America will look like. We're increasingly uh, brown-skinned and um, with a very a, an array of native languages spoken. But what unites us as Houstonians and what has made it possible to govern this uh, very diverse city where there's a lot of, it's a very fluid population uh, particularly because we are still largely – we are the oil and gas capital of the world, and that's about 50 percent of our economy. And for the major oil and gas companies, they rotate their their execs in every three years. So there's a lot of new talent that washes in and then washes away again. And so what what has kept Houston going is that, A, the attitude that anything is possible in Houston. If you come and you want to work hard, we don't care where you're from, we want to know what you can do and but well, we're going to put you to work, and you can succeed. You don't have that stratification that you see in, in a lot of uh, cities. And the other thing that, that is important about Houston is because so there's so many people from other places. It was a very tolerant city for the, the diversity that's, that's there. And you can, have, you can have the tolerance that, yeah, yeah, I may not like that person, but you know, I'll put up with them. Or you can have a tolerance that says, that person may have some really good ideas. Maybe I can learn from them. And and that's really what we have in Houston. And that has fueled uh, an amazingly entrepreneurial and flexible workforce, population, and and attitude. The other thing that, that is unique about Houston, in addition to the fact that we are so internationally diverse, is we're the largest unzoned city in America. And that means that uh, the, the parts of the city reinvent themselves very rapidly. There's no zoning board of adjustment that tells you what you can build or not. There's a set of building codes, and you can pretty much go and do what you want <coughs> within certain limits. And it means that while there are areas of Houston uh, of, with clear poverty... Uh, it also means that ten years from now that area could be completely redeveloped and uh, a vibrant neighborhood again, and because all you know cities have an ebb and flow areas of the city you know, they become hot and they, they become passe and, and people move on Well, Houston, we just keep refreshing and it 's kept our property values stable and our cost of living low and uh, that 's another reason why we're such a magnet.
1: Mayor Parker, thanks so much for your time today.
2: Glad to be with you.
0: Thank you so much for listening to Chicago Policy Radio, a production of the Chicago Policy Review and the Harris School of Public Policy at the University of Chicago. Our podcast is produced and edited by Jim Howes, and our theme song was composed and performed by Ryan Gee. Special thanks again to Michael Deheeger. You can find us at www.chicagopolicyreview.org and on iTunes. Thanks for listening, and please join us next time.